0: A new year opens, a podcast closes for renovation, and we look ahead to a wild year in politics. Welcome back to USA Today's Cup of Politics. I'm Paul Singer, the Washington correspondent around here. This will be our last episode of Cup of Politics in this format. We've been doing it this way for several years, and it seemed to us that it's time to update the format as we move into this critical midterm election year. So we'll be taking a hiatus, plan to come back with an even better politics podcast later in the year. We hope you'll tune in for that. But meanwhile, with the arrival of the new year, we thought it'd be a good time to look ahead to what 2018 is likely to have in store for us. And who better to join us for a cup of political prognostication than USA Today Washington Bureau Chief Susan Page. Susan Page, welcome back to Cup of Politics.
1: Hey, Paul Singer, it's great to be back with you.
0: Good to have you. So we are in a new year, Uh, you know, New Year's resolutions and all that. So let's resolve right here. What do you think are going to be the big political stories of 2018 that we're going to be watching?
1: They're going to be a couple of big stories, but let me name two. One is the Russia investigation. We think the special counsel will come back in 2018 with a report of some sort, and that will be very significant. The other thing are the midterm elections, and those have the potential to be quite consequential. We think control of the House of Representatives is in play. With that, uh, you know, a lot of repercussions of control shifts to the Democrats.
0: Well, let's separate those into two. You I'm, mentioned I'm in the Russian investigation because, you know, you get a lot of pushback from the White House and have been for, for months, really, that, well, it's going to amount to nothing. There's no collusion there, obviously, between the Trump campaign and the Russians. Uh, the president had a press conference uh, with the president of Norway this week where he said basically the same thing, no collusion. It's the Democrats that are bad people. But as we sit here at the beginning of January, we really have no idea where this is going to go, right? I mean, it, there's any number of possible outcomes.
1: We don't know whether there was collusion or not between uh, the Trump team and the Russians. We do know there was Russian meddling in the election. We just don't know if the Trump team played a role in that. Uh, But we, I think, have a sense that the investigation is a really serious one because of the people who had already faced charges and who have reached plea deals with the special counsel. So let's ask Paul Manafort, who was once the president's campaign manager, or Michael Flynn, who was his national security advisor, about whether there's anything to this investigation.
0: Right. And and even if the investigation sort of wraps up with those characters, they still have to go to a trial, presumably, or it'll be a news headline no matter what for the rest of the year.
1: That's right. There, there will be. We think there will be trials. Uh, there is no reason to think that the indictment process is completed. Uh, but what we don't know is what engagement this will have for the president himself. And the president continues to insist that there was no collusion and that he did not obstruct justice, did not attempt to obstruct justice, which would be the other big risk for him.
0: Right, because it is really a two-part investigation. is not just the question of whether there was uh, some kind of uh, nefarious deeds during the campaign, but also the question of whether the president obstructed justice by firing James Comey and trying to knock the investigation off the rails.
1: And if you look at two of the biggest political scandals, in White House history, at least in recent White House history, the Whitewater scandal, which led to the impeachment of a president, and the Watergate scandal, which prompted the resignation of a president, the most serious charges in both those cases were not the crime, they were the cover-up. Right. So
0: let's look at the other question, which I think you're right, again, is, is the major question that we're already preparing to cover here at USA Today is, you know, can the Democrats take back control of either the House or the Senate in 2018. Uh, are you willing to put down money yet? Uh, have you have you uh, invested in in futures?
1: I would be willing to put down your money.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's good because I don't have any, so <laughs> perfect.
1: I think it's early to be very confident about what's going to happen. But what we can say is that the ingredients are there for a tough political landscape for Republicans. Things change, things happen, uh, but at the moment, it looks like it's going to be a tough Republican year.
0: Yeah, I remember we're looking. We were talking about you know approval ratings of of presidents and stuff, and and there's this spike. For George W. Bush in October of 2001, he's like 80% approval rating. You're like, what's that all about? Oh, right. Right after September 11th, of course, he was the most popular guy in the world. So anything can happen between now and then.
1: You can have a foreign policy crisis, a national security crisis. You could have great economic news or terrible economic news uh, th- th- life does not proceed in a straight line for a year right uh, but if you look at some of the funda- political fundamentals uh, in your, it, you you you'd see some uh, warning clouds for Republicans, including the president's low approval rating. Often, midterm elections stand as a kind of referendum on the president. That's troubling. Uh, and you, all, you also have seen independents uh, and moderates moving away from the Republican Party after a year of, of President Trump's administration. So that is also a worrisome sign for them.
0: And you've also seen a bunch of retirements of senior Republicans, uh, a lot of moderates, uh, a lot of California Republicans, opening up seats that then may be very competitive for Democrats to, to try and take back the House.
1: In fact, we've already had more Republican retirements in the House than at any election since 1994. And wow. it's only January. So we think we'll probably have some more. Eight of those Republican retirements are committee chairmen. That's that's unusual. You know, Naturally, some people, uh, their lives change, their careers go in some new path, they decide to not run again. But for eight committee chairman in the House to choose not to run again, that is a really significant senior drain.
0: Those committee chairmen are also fundraising uh, magnets. Uh, they tend to do very well in fundraising. It makes them very competitive in their reelection campaigns. So they're not just walking away from nothing. I mean, they, they got some, some skin in the game here.
1: They're also senior, so they have some sense of how they think the election is going to go. So this is like a canary in the coal mine. Uh, these Republicans think they might have a hard time getting reelected.
0: So, uh, you know, here we are sitting in the Washington Bureau of USA Today. Shouldn't we be talking about the legislative agenda for 2018? Is 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 there one?
1: There certainly is one early in the year. There are a couple things that really need to happen early in the year that are significant. One would be funding the government by next Thursday when the money uh, runs out. Thing. That would be something <laughs> right. uh, There is a big debate going on about the dreamers program how to what to do about DAca uh, the program that protected young people who were brought to this country illegally as children from being deported. There is going to be, we're going to have probably in March, a debate over raising the debt ceiling. Uh, There's also disaster relief. That's a pending issue. An extension of long-term funding for the Children's Health Insurance Program is another big issue that's on Congress's plate. But, you know, when you get back past the issues that must be dealt with, I think we think it's going to be a tough year to pass big controversial legislation just because of the approach of the election year and the fact that Republicans have actually lost ground in the Senate already mm-hmm. so that they're going to be one one shorter, just 51 Republicans in the Senate, which make it harder to get big things through.
0: So you don't have a lot of hope for either a, a giant infrastructure bill the president has been talking about or possibly, you know, comprehensive immigration reform that he's been talking about. You you don't expect that those are the kind of legislative activities that Congress can manage in election year? You
1: know, once in a while you'll have Congress do something surprising as they did in 1996 where they got some big legislation through in a midterm election year like welfare reform. And it is theoretically possible you could have an infrastructure bill because both sides have a great interest in passing an infrastructure bill. But I think the politics of the day make it hard.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. And it also I think you, you begin to at some point in March or April, you just run out of opportunity because people need to be out campaigning and they don't want to vote on legislation anymore.
1: Unless they don't want to go home.
0: Which is also <laughs> possible in this year. Well, look, before we, we, we go, we need to, of course, hit on the major theme uh, of politics in 2018, which is Oprah 2020. Do, do, do you believe that Oprah Winfrey is going to be the Democratic nominee for president in 2020? Go.
1: The honest answer is I don't know, but my Footnote would be, if she is, let me cover that race.
0: Oh, yeah. It will be great fun.
1: Do you think she's going to run?
0: I doubt she would run, but but I mean, it, 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 I think it speaks to some degree to what has happened, what has changed in our political process. You know, the, the idea that some celebrity with no political background whatsoever could suddenly leap in and, and you know, become president of the United States would have seemed bananas not long ago. But now she has everything she needs. Right. She's got name recognition. She's got money. That's not an issue. Um, She has sort of a natural base amongst the Democrats. She's uh, a woman. We've never had a woman president. She's an African-American, which makes her, again, very popular amongst the Democratic base. You know, I think if she wants it, she can have it. I just can't imagine why she'd want it.
1: You know, I think a lot of us, and I would put myself in this category, discounted Donald Trump too much when he announced he was going to run as not being someone we should really need to, to take seriously as a prospective president. So I would and certainly have learned that lesson and would not dismiss Oprah Winfrey as a potential candidate just because she hasn't run for anything before. But I do think in American history, one thing that we see is after we have one kind of president, then we want to, you know, we, things kind of swing and we want a different kind of president. So we had George W. Bush succeeded by Barack Obama, they could hardly be more different in personality and approach. We had Barack Obama succeeded by Donald Trump. Talk about the contrast mm, there. Right. So I'm inclined to think that Americans after Donald Trump likely will be looking for someone who, you know, is maybe a more traditional president, maybe has governmental experience. But that's just a guess.
0: So so you think that someone like Patty Murray, uh, a true policy wonk with very little charisma. I'm sorry if you're listening, Patty Murray, uh, uh, and essentially no star power.
1: Maybe a Dick Durbin Patty Murray ticket. Would there be you the go. Ta- and I hope both of them are your listeners.
0: Yeah, right. No doubt. No doubt at all. I, I will say one other thing, you know, I, th- I think particularly from your perspective, you've covered a lot of presidents. Ten. Uh, ten six presidents. Six presidents. Ten elections. Ten elections. Ten um, elections. Are you finding in the first year of the Trump administration that this presidency is really that much different than any other presidency?
1: Well, I think many presidents have a rough start. Bill Clinton had a very rocky start. But this is different from anything I've ever seen before. It is uh, more disruptive. Uh, It's more uh, chaotic. It's more divisive. Uh, Donald Trump is a man who likes superlatives, and his presidency lends itself to those.
0: Well, this has been a terrific conversation with you. Outstanding, the best conversation ever. Uh, really, many people are saying this has been a great interview. Uh, so, I'm. Well, people grateful. say
1: you're the best podcaster <laughs> in the world. Exactly,
0: and it's getting better every day. Susan Page, thank you so much for joining us on Cup of Politics, and look forward to talking to you again soon.
1: Thank you, Paul Singer. Uh,
0: So politics goes on, even with this podcast going dark for a while. You can still get all your politics coverage at usatoday.com. Check out our On Politics blog, and we also tweet our political coverage from at USA Today DC. And if you like, you can still keep in touch and follow me on Twitter at Singer News. I'm still there. I have really enjoyed sharing a cup of politics with you every week for the past few years and have been very grateful for your support and feedback, so please do keep in touch. I want to say a special thank you to Cooper Allen, my partner in politics who was a fabulous podcast co-host for two years. I also want to thank Shannon Green and Taylor Macon for taking over the technical side of this show and making it sound so much better. And last but not least, one final thanks to Chris Moscatello for our theme music.